I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Vicky Patterson, The Secret to Surviving a Setback, episode seven in the series. That's right, flying through these. Hope you're all enjoying them as much as I am. This week, we've got Matt Richardson um, from the telly, from various shows, from stand-up comedy, and from just being my very good pal. Welcome back, Matt. Hi, thank you. (laughs) And we are looking at The Secret to Surviving Setbacks. Um, Throughout life, we've all had them. Well, if, you, if you're any sort of a person with character, as we've established in part one, then you've had setbacks, <laughs> uh, whether it be personal, professional, <laughs> romantic, whatever it is, you have, we've all faced them at one point or another. But I would hazard a guess, Matt, that you've probably been through more than the average person's set of setbacks just because of your job. I think being a stand-up comedian must be a fucking thankless task sometimes. Oh, mate, it's horrible. It's awful. Like, I don't know why I bother. Like... I love it, but oh my god, yeah. Like, I t- what? Well, so I suppose there's a lot of setbacks because you could it can go wrong all the time. And like, even eleven years in, like you still die at a gig all the time. And I suppose that is the kind of setback you're talking about, like a, yeah. it going badly at work. Um, it's but but the thing is, it does make you better. Once again, we were talking about this in the first half that you know uh, you learn more. Like having a gig where you're absolutely amazing, you're on fire, it's going brilliantly doesn't teach you anything it's brilliant for the ego um but like it's the bad ones and they come out of nowhere as well like you'll have a real streak of being really good and Mm. having really good times or you'll be going to a club that you've played a hundred times and you know it goes really well and then it just hits you in the face and it doesn't get any easier like it's still awful like it's still the worst feeling you know you know when you we're at school or even say at work where you have to do a presentation mm-hmm. and it isn't going very well. Yeah. And you know, when you get, do you know that feeling when you're talking in front of people and you get all hot and bothered when like you're embarrassed and like, yeah. imagine that, but for an hour and a half, like that is, that is what it's like dying on stage when you're like, when you're doing a tour date where well, they've paid to come and see you, but yeah. it still goes wrong somehow. Yeah, I mate, it's, it's not I ideal. Can't- I can't understand that because I've been to see various different comedians over the years, yourself included. And I've been to see big gigs at arenas and I've been to see little tiny gigs at like back alley comedy stores. And like, regardless if the comedy is right up my street or not, I am fu- I'm howling. I'm laughing. My head's rolling back. I'm clapping. I'm cheering. Like if you are a person who has bought a ticket to see a comedy show, like surely you've, that's the bit that you're required to do is participate is to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> God, sometimes I look at people and I'm like, what are you doing here? If you are not going to have a nice time and laugh, like you, you shouldn't be here. Go to a library. <laughs> it is weird. Um, and, and it's, you know what? Like at a comedy club, 
I understand if you're not to someone's taste mm. and or you've said something that is actually really offensive and has upset an audience. Like, I, I totally get them being upset at that. But there are gigs sometimes where you're like, like, you do have to meet me halfway here. Like, there has to be some sort of, there has to be some sort of like, but it's a very British thing. It's the thing of like, I've been to see comedy in the States mm. and they are so much more like, okay, we're here. We're going to have a nice time. Whereas in England, you walk on stage and they're like, make me fucking laugh. Like, it's such a British thing. It's so aggressive. Like, in a, in America, if you go to a comedy club, they always get brought on stage and the compare will always list all the TV shows they've done. Aww. So they'll be like, this next guy's been on Late Night. He's been on Conan, blah, blah. Like, he's been on whatever. And they all go, oh, that's so exciting. He's been on lots of t- He's going to be good. Whereas uh-huh. in England, if you bring someone on stage and you go, he's been on Mott the Week. He's done 8 out of 10 Cats. He's been on Live at the Apollo. The whole audience go, let's see how funny this cunt really is. <laughs> like, it's such a, it's such a, like... English thing. Yeah. It's like when you hear someone's won the lottery and you go, prick. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, so it's, you know, it's, it, in America, it, it does make it hard. In America, it feels like they're listing the accolades so they can impress you. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like, yeah, yeah, like you're building someone up. But actually, in the UK, it feels like you're setting someone up to fail. It's like they've done it all. Absolutely. Oh, God, what is wrong with but us? Once again, I think. But it links back to this, they've, they've never had to work. They've never had a setback. Whereas if you went on stage and you went, look, this next guy has been rejected from every TV show. He's had cancer eight times. The whole audience would be like, you know what, mate? Fair play. Yeah, we're on your side. Yeah. Like, we <laughs> Brits love us. There's nothing worse than... It's like there's nothing worse than an autobiography where it's all gone all right. I know. I have never like I- been more liked in the eyes of the public than when I got cheated on. I'm just going to put that out there. I was never more <laughs> accepted, never more supported, never more like watched than when I was cheated on. And what does that say? But mate, every, it's because there's this sort of weird, there's a weird morbid respect to people that you respect people that have had to have a hard time. Like it's the same as comics. If you go on stage at a gig mm. and you say you're all on at this gig together, a really good gig and it's a comedy club and there's like three or four of you on and you all have a great gig. No one talks about it. If you all die on your ass together, Mm -hmm. it bonds you. Like there's this weird kind of like, and you know, I've done it before where I've gone on stage at a gig and it's been awful, but we've all had a terrible time. And you feel like you're going over the top of the trenches in world war one. Like that's how comedians (laughs) are. You're like, you go up there next mate. Yeah. Like, and you're having this horrible experience, (laughs) but it it gives you respect with each other weirdly. Like I did a gig in December, uh, uh, just the Tonic in Birmingham, okay. and we knew it was going to be. And it was a Christmas gig, okay. and Christmas gigs are hard enough as it is. Like they're well, the worst time of year. Just, are they all just full of like office Christmas parties with people who just want to like yes. get pissed and kiss someone under the mistletoe who they shouldn't? Absolutely. Like okay. it's basically Sharon in the office has had to sort out the Christmas party, mm-hmm. and for sixty people. And she's gone, oh, we should go to the comedy club. But 59 people couldn't give a fuck about going to a comedy club. And you still have to do a gig to them. It's a waste of everyone's time. Um, and I did this gig. It was in, Birm- it was in Birmingham. And um, it's normally a really nice club. And we went, we got there. And there was 50 people on, there was like kind of a few couples and stuff. It wasn't that, but there was 50 people on one company's do. They'd kicked some of them out. So we knew it was going to be an issue. Oh, God. And this group, they were kind of sat right in the middle. And there's maybe a hundred, through half the room, there's a hundred people there. Uh-huh. And... I go on stage and I go, all right, so uh, could you all sit down? And like, I'm comparing the gig. So it started. And like, I'm just like, look, I'm not going to start the gig until you're all sat down and listening. Like, there's no point. I'm not bringing a comedian on. I'm just going to sit and wait until you do it. And um, 
And these, these guys and the, these kind of like middle-aged, like the kind of people that look like they'd be protecting the Churchill statue yeah. were there were yelling at me, kind of going, well, fuck you and all this. And I, was yelling, I was sort of saying things back to them. And then this one guy like threatened me basically i can't even remember what i said back but i said something back that would say uh, amusing but slightly humiliating to him about him as a person um, it might have been about his wife it might have been about him being out so his wife was definitely with her with her yoga instructor and um and a fight broke out like the, the guy started to try and get on the stage and a bouncer stopped him and it just like it chaos ensued and oh i was just God. like well this is awful but you know what one of the audience members came up to me and like he hadn't, he'd barely seen me do a gig. Like the gig got cancelled, like the police came. It was mental. Oh my God. Um, and the bloke came up to me and he goes, you know what, mate? Fair play to you. Because he'd <laughs> seen me have the worst time ever. <laughs> I could have gone up there and entertained him. <laughs> but because he'd seen me have to stop, like basically nearly get beaten up. He was like, <laughs> yeah, I like you. What about, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. People just appreciate the struggle. Like, I think we've all had setbacks. We've all had struggles. So when you see someone else going through something similar, that is one of the good things that comes of it. It bonds you. It bonds people. And it helps you have admiration for others. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you look at, like, I think... I, I really like people who get successful late in their lives. So I've got this... Like, once again, so, like, um, perfect example is... Not that I'm not really into Star Wars, but Daisy Ridley, right? She's just in, like, you know, went to a boarding school, uh, at left drama school and went straight into Star Wars. No respect there for me. Like, yeah, very, very nice career. Well done. Fuck Olivia off, Coleman. As <laughs> Olivia Coleman, who has toiled for years, mm. was in shit stuff, was, was tiny parts in shit stuff. When they, um, there was a point where she nearly quit because she'd stopped getting the jobs and she won a fucking Oscar. Like, fair play. Like, that's, oh, yeah. like, that's the difference. Like, yeah. she's actually, like, had to go through the rigmarole of it. Or, um... Or when you hear about an actor having to go back and work in a pub or something, I'm like, yeah, well done you. Like, yes. I really respect that. Whenever someone suffered a setback or some sort of like professional agony, I'm always like, kudos to you for getting back on that yeah, horse. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think to survive it as well, like when you're having a setback, that's how I try and look at it now. So because I'm a, I'm a pretty like positive person anyway, but if I, if I have a setback, I'm always just like, this will pay off. Like this is shit now, but one day. And there's been loads of times where like I've had setbacks. Like for example, the first time I got fired, um, my first TV job, The Extra Factor, when they didn't bring us back, uh, me and Caroline Flack, um, uh, my dad was like, well, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe you just had your one thing. Like, you know, maybe that's just leave it there. Um, but but actually, it just meant that every other time I've been fired since then, which has been a few, um, <laughs> it was just like, well, it, I was just, I'm just like, well, it, it made me better and like something more interesting came out of it. So I'm always like, yeah, this is a good thing. Like I try and remind myself, even though at the time it doesn't feel like it. No. And, and it's just, I always think this will be a good one for the autobiography. <laughs> like when I eventually write one, it's not going to be, it'll be a really interesting book because loads of shit stuff's happened. That's it. And people, you're never going to pick up a book that's all sunshine and rainbows. We want, no. we want the struggle. We want the toil. We want the journey. Like you can't have light yeah, without yeah, yeah. shade. And that's what I want from an autobiography, yeah. Matt. I'm fired up about your book Absolutely. and it's not even fucking written. <laughs> oh, mate. And it won't, and you know what? It won't get written because all the publishers will pass over on it. It'll be a fucking nightmare. Um, but uh, yeah, exactly that. Like, you know, people love the Lord of the Rings and that's all about messing up and not getting what you want. That's like, I really do try and build myself up about it when something bad happens. Like even, even this year, you know, I think I finished the radio last year and kind of had a load in in the autumn and I started this year and it was the quietest 
probably the quietest first two months of the year I've mm. had in seven years. And I was very worried about it, like very, very worried. And, mm. you know, you've just got to have faith that it will be, it will be okay, won't it? Everything's okay mm. in the end. Well, that's that famous saying, isn't it? Everything's okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's, it's not, not the, the end. end. Oh, I love that film. You just got to keep going. <laughs> so I, I do really, you know, I really, I, I do try and think of it like that going, this is going to make me better. Even if at the time I'm crying while I'm saying. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you Are you in it yeah it honestly i think me and you are in quite well i don't know how of it how ex, of an exclusive club it actually is looking back there's probably quite a few members but we've both been sacked by itv haven't we yep twice <laughs> mate so uh no. why don't you suck on those lemons <laughs> oh, yeah. you got the doozy did you <laughs> oh yeah, i did yeah mate I've got, i did i've got plenty um, it's weird though <laughs> Yeah, but it's, and it's quite like, quite, but one of them, I mean, one of them, they just didn't renew the series because it wasn't very good. Um, but uh, yeah, when I got, when I got sat from the Extra Factor and you did the jungle, there was the yeah, jungle, right? Was. The I- spin-off. It's, it was very high profile. The first I knew about it is someone sent me a link of, to a newspaper article saying that it was happening. So Same it, here. Same here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that sucked. And mm. also, um, because they're quite big shows, those spin-off shows, um, what happens is, is, people discuss it and they discuss why and why you weren't any good and all that. And, so and cruel. Just, it's hard enough having a, it's hard enough having a setback in life without it being analyzed by Dan <laughs> Wooten. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's, that's, that's, that's a level of surreal on top as well, isn't it? Going, okay, cool. So now these people are discussing it and then you're ringing up the producers going, have you fired me? And they go, no, no, no. They'd always say this, but they have. No, absolutely have. And it, honestly, the same thing happened to me. I remember it was like, so we'd made the show um, in like, obviously the November, December, which are when I'm a celebrity's on. And they tried, they'd gone out of the box with a new format that, um, got four presenters and it was four presenters with very big personalities. It was me, Chris Ramsey, Stacey Solomon and Joe Swash. And in retrospect, like they'd wanted this really fun, high energy, almost children's TV presenter style show. And I get where they were coming from. They needed a lot of energy for people to turn from the main show, which is where you got all your information, all the main goss, everything you really want to see, to like a slightly watered down counterpart. So they just wanted us to be wild and wacky. And looking back now, it was just like too much. We were all just too much. It was too much of a change for the audience. We were far too many big personalities. But yeah, I remember making it and knowing that it, it, 
that it hadn't it had mixed reviews it was divisive but we'd loved it and had a good time and gave it we're all and it got great ratings so I just thought you know what they'd be mad not to have us back like got loads of press whether it was good or bad um and and yeah, let's just stay positive. And it was like the February and, and again, this article came out that said Vicky was getting sacked and it was just me. And honestly, Matt, yeah. it, it, doesn't it feel like the biggest punch in the dick? Mate, it's horrible. Like it was, it was absolutely horrendous. Like, um, and it is, it, and it's this thing of, especially with telly. I think the, the weird thing is, yeah, if you're doing a telly show and it doesn't work. Yeah. It's, it's there's loads of people, but you end up getting all of this stick when you're like, yeah. look, mate, I didn't write it and I didn't come up with it. But there's very few. Can I go? I was key in every aspect of it. I was integral to the success or failure of this show. <laughs> you're brought in the last person working on it. I'm shouldering everyone else's fuck ups here. And that's a bit <laughs> annoying. I will also take the credit for everyone else's great work quite happily. <laughs> so. But that's it. So if if we are going to take the 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 applause, the pats on the back yeah. when a show goes well, we also have to be willing to take the the commiserations as well. Like we have to take the stick when things don't go great. It's part and parcel with with the kind of jobs like with stand up. It's the only job in entertainment, I suppose, where maybe singer songwriters, but where everything's you, like the performance, the writing. Every, like everything about it is you pretty much so you can take the stick and you can you know you, you have to go oh yeah it wasn't very good um and it you know there was a massive setback there but i think you know with telly it's always like hang on like i'm just reading out loud <laughs> like I'm, that's all i'm doing here like I'm, just, I'm reading out loud something someone else has written like i'm barely even listening to what they're telling me so i'm a living mannequin but they, leave me alone those kind of spin-off shows they're part of a culture that I don't think exists so much anymore because the shows aren't around. But those spin-off shows all existed as part of like those big reality shows where the press, you know, devoured people on them if they were, even if they were just participants. So all of a sudden you've got like, you're part of that, like, you know, the jungle, like you're getting press because they want to write about the show, even if it's not very nice for you. <laughs> yeah, I felt that. <laughs> I came out and well, I was a guest on it, wasn't I, with you? It was great fun. I had such a nice time with you. And like, obviously, I mean, we probably spent far too much of it drunk, me and you. Um, but for the rest, of, the rest of it, it yeah. was super stressful. <laughs> and it was like the first time I was cutting my teeth on something so high profile. And God, if I could go back now, like I probably, I probably wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't know how to change a thing. Um, but it was just frustrating that I had to take that setback as early in my career as I did. But I think it did make us better. Absolutely. Like, it's the same as me. Extra Factor was the first ever TV show yeah. I'd worked on. I'd never done telly. And all of a sudden, like... That's a baptism of back, fire, like, that, Matt. Sorry, fucking hell. I probably got it too early. It probably, probably landed in my lap. A couple. It would have been nice to have gone through, say, some smaller channels yeah. and, you know, done all that kind of stuff and then ended up on it. But then also you know, that isn't how life panned out. And like, it would have been stupid to say no to doing the jungle spin-off, and it would have been stupid yeah. to say no to whatever, but it is when it doesn't happen, when it starts so high. And I kind of then have probably really had a bit of a reverse career. Like I started with a massive show and then I've gone back to making smaller things with less profile and slowly building back up again, which I've really enjoyed actually. Like I, I love a load of the stuff I've done. I've done a lot of bad, like a lot of bad stuff as well, but <laughs> And now I kind of, but now nothing really phases me. I'll speak up and go, this isn't very good. Like we need to do it this yeah. way. Whereas before I would have let it happen and then dealt with the fallout rather than seeing it before I have to. 
I, th- I th- honestly like I think you've you've weathered your fair share of storms in this industry, Matt. And I am I'm very proud of you. <laughs> but I just oh, thanks, mate. I think you're one of the nicest and most talented people in our industry, and you deserve every success. You really do. Mate, that's really nice. You're only saying that because you like getting drunk with me. That's the only reason we like we. It's because I can. It's because I can keep up. Like that's why you like me. It's starting to notice a bit of a theme for this podcast. Like I've had you on. I've had Pete on. I've had Olivia on. It's really just people I like getting off my head with. <laughs> I must. Mate, fair I must enough. Aim for someone more highbrow. I wonder what Eamon's doing. Although I do love drinking with him as well. <laughs> oh, mate. I love that. What a man. Such a legend. Oh, and such a fox. Ruth, I mean, I doubt you are listening, but if you are, oh your man is fit. He, um, the first time I ever met him was on your show mm. with him. It's not me, it's you. And I did a run through for it before we made it. I went to Channel 5 and did a run through, which you weren't at. at M- Martin McCutcheon was for some reason. Not that. And um, we kind of sat there and I, I made, and I made a joke about Eamon and Ruth. Like, and I'd never met Eamon, I don't think. Um, maybe once really briefly. Mm-hmm. And it, we made a, I made a joke about him and Ruth's sex life and how much sex they have. Uh-huh. And he looked at me and he went, why do you think I've had to have two hip replacements? I'm like, oh my God. Wow. Yes, Eamon. Oh. Such a lad. What a man. <laughs> Such a legend. I love those two. They are couple goals. Like, oh my God, I adore them. Before I let you go, um, I just want to say one, a huge thank you for coming on. You've been an amazing guest. I love the oh, bones you. of you. Number two, this is, of course, Vicky Patterson, The Secret 2, and we've circled around it, and I know you've told me loads of things about your setbacks, but if you had to give everybody listening one bit of advice, what is Matt Richardson's secret to surviving a setback? Even if you don't believe it will get better, you have to tell yourself this is the best thing that's happening to you because it will prepare you for the next time. That's how I do my setbacks is I look at it and I go, this is good. Even if I don't believe myself, I still tell myself that. You're preparing yourself for better things to come, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be good. (laughs) Because also, as you get older, like this life thing's fucking horrible. It's just going to get worse and worse. You better start lying to yourself now. That's such a depressing note to end on, Matt. (laughs) I didn't want this. <laughs> I love you. Like, talking of setbacks, we're recording this in lockdown. It turns out all of my work involves travelling and people. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, but at least you've got a nice cat out of it. Oh, we've got a lovely cat out of it. But, you know, I might have to eat it soon because I can't afford to feed myself. <laughs> On that note, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so lovely to see you. You too. Take care. Thank you. So at the end of part one, I played you guys a lovely little celebrity secret. I'm trying to do this um, every week. Hey, if you are enjoying this, you know, after you listen to it and tell me what bits you love, because I'm all ears when it comes to adapting the format for me listeners. I'm super chill. Um, anyway, did anyone guess who it was? I seem to cope with setbacks by using them to make me stronger and if not better and more driven than before anyone i mean she's got a pretty distinctive voice so i'd be disappointed if you didn't it's of course gabby dawn allen from love island how lush is she i'll be honest i cried when i heard that um she's a pretty amazing person and super inspirational so thank you for that gabby guys i hope you enjoyed this week's podcast um it felt super pivotal i i don't know why i don't know if it's because we moved out of like 
a traditional lockdown topics and into something slightly broader. It felt like this was what my podcast was always meant to be. Um, I hope you guys could still relate. Um, I know we're all semi still in lockdown and stuff, but it, it feels like the world is opening up. Um, shops are opening. There's rumors of pubs opening. I just wanted to roll with the punches, guys. Um, but I'm I'm always uh, available and open to listening to any of your critiques and feedbacks. But please be nice. I, I will cry if you're too mean. <laughs> if you are enjoying this, please subscribe. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Tell everybody about me podcast because I'm really enjoying doing it. We're only at number seven. I, I, I would I would like to I'd like to hit at least a round number like 10. <laughs> Enjoy guys. Have a great week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.